Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I'm here with Jamal. Jamal, What's going on, man? What's the latest? I need a quick bio from you, and then let's just get into this topic. Quick? <laughs> oh, man, I'm being taken by surprise here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, latest, greatest, of course, uh, I work as a global lead uh, at an anti-human trafficking agency called International Justice Mission, but part-time also work as a counselor and a mentor and advisor. Uh, that's my passion. Uh, it's just speaking life into the life of other people uh, who are struggling, whatever that may be. Um, I like to tailor make my sessions to the person. So right now I don't do any like programs because one size doesn't fit all. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, three years ago, I used to counsel full time and there's no session, no counselee, no client that's the same. And so I believe that no program should be the same because you end up missing a lot in that and you don't tackle root issues. Um, mm. So that's the latest, greatest with me uh, here in the D.C. Not in the D.C. area. I'm actually right here in D.C. right in the thick mm. of it. So we call it D.C. proper. Got it. And and when did you find your calling? When did you 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 realize that this was your purpose and that you needed to, to pursue it? Right. I would say uh, as a young teenager, uh, I, I initially went to school for computer graphics <laughs> because... <laughs> It found it to be lucrative, uh, especially at that time in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then I remember my first uh, first time in college, first semester, I was like, this is the worst. I hated it. I didn't like anything about it. And I also realized that the schedule was like one class would be like at 11 and the other class would be at 2.30. So I would just be on campus just waiting around. And I was like, this, this is not <laughs> working for me. This, this is not a good ingredient. Yeah. And then I realized a running theme. You know, that every time I got around friends, around family, uh, people would spill the beans to me. I don't know why. People would tell me, like, really, really personal stuff. But I learned from my mother, always keep a confidence. If someone shares something with you, that's between you and that person. You take that to your grave unless they tell you they're going to commit suicide. And I always was able to listen, but also regurgitate back to them uh, what they were saying to me but also to curate it in a way that was helpful. Like, let's some, find some resolution to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept hearing that running theme from so many people like, you ever thought about going into counseling? So <laughs> uh, I kind of found my my calling through just a running theme of so many different people in my life who didn't know each other, who were all saying the same thing. Uh, well, I, I definitely I definitely get that vibe from you, man. I, there's there's something kind of trusting about you and you have a, a really kind of open positive vibe you know I, f- I feel safe around you jamal <laughs> so I, i'm sure that other other people feel that and i think that's so important and i unfortunately that's why we make a lot of the decisions that we make because we just don't feel safe we can't open up to others to counselors people on our team family members so on and so forth so um well thank you for pursuing your purpose because i'm sure you've helped so many people and through i think conversations like this people can learn more about themselves and improve Hopefully, that's my that's my desire. That's that's my passion, man. Is whenever I see someone rise to their full God given potential, and even to be a small part of that process, it's it's like meat on the bones, man. I love it. Mm, so yeah, and what and what would you say that uh, that is really holding people back? Like, what are the what are the kind of top things that you feel like 
are dis preventing someone to fulfill that potential? I'm glad you asked for top things because there's not any one thing. Uh, there's often numerous things. It's often cyclical. Um, but a lot of times, many of us, if we're gut level honest, we have childhood trauma that's not been addressed. Uh, and it could be something really small. It, it doesn't have to be this this huge thing. Uh, we often look for approval. Uh, we often look for affirmation. And when we don't receive it, uh, we find a way to, to be in control. Even the most type B personalities of us are control freaks. And whenever we start to find that thing like, okay, I could not control this. I couldn't control the way I heard from dad or mom, you know, what they really thought about me. They may have been a little loose with their tongue, but I can control that I make people laugh when I'm uncomfortable. You know, or I can control that if I didn't receive physical affirmation, I can maybe hop in bed or receive it some other way, or maybe I can just eat something. I can control what I'm eating. And so it manifests itself so many different ways. And just to go to the to the root of that, uh, the hard thing about it, especially in the professional world, we all come with a white picket fence. We're supposed to. We're professionals. <laughs> you know, you don't come spilling the beans to everybody because you want to be discreet. But you have to find that safe place where you can kind of break down those things, because even those habits make their way into our profession. They make their way into their way into our work habits. They make their way into the way we build relationships and anything that's unhealthy, any foundation you build on long enough, you'll continue to build on it. So you come with a sort of a mental leaning tower of Pisa, if I can dub that as a comment. So. <laughs> That, that makes total sense to me. And what would you say, uh, what are some of the ways that you have evolved? You know, I, I can't imagine how much you've learned in this process about people. How much are you able to take and apply that to your own growth? Well, I would say anybody, and if any counselor is watching this, if you're in that profession um, or you're even in that space, be self-aware. Um, I would, I'll probably be doing a post about it in a couple of weeks to any coaches or counselors on the platform Never wear the white picket fence yourself, you know, um, and know your own shortcomings, misgivings and imperfections. And I have plenty. You know, uh, one thing that I, I did a, a post a couple of weeks ago was called are, are we dying to relate so much sort of we're lying to relate. And I remember being young, so full of shame and, and, and guilt because I had this deep fear of rejection. And when I was in a conversation, I would just lie. People would say, hey, have you ever heard this? Like, oh, yeah, I heard of that. Knowing I never even heard of it. it. It just it never even occurred to me what they're talking about, whatever that thing is. And I just remember, like, if they knew that I didn't know, maybe they'll go away from me like other people did. And so I had to learn to accept myself and be comfortable in my own skin and hold a conversation with anyone and just tell my truth. Even if that truth is not fancy to you, even if it's not some big grand thing that I want to make it up to be, it's my truth. And I don't ever have to go back to make up for anything when I've told my truth. I could tell my truth and leave the consequences to God. So that has been was been a huge part of my journey. Uh, like people, shame and guilt has a way of controlling us, even from the way our own voice sounds. It's like maybe someone doesn't like the way I sound. So let me change my voice and be kind of match pitch with another person. Um, and it took me a while to kind of get free of just the grain of that and not to worry and be controlled about what other people think or what they perceive. Because I don't live inside anybody's head. Ultimately, I don't really know what they're thinking. And so I can't lose any sleep over that. That's been a big part of my journey and a big part of my learning uh, throughout this process and working with so many just to sit and listen to them and see like, what is the root of that thing? Even the toughest and the gruffest, it's like a lot of times that's a real facade. It's like, what's really going on between, you know, beneath the surface? You know, when we don't feel love. We'll throw up any sort of, uh, 
any veneer to protect ourselves. And everybody, it's just in us to want to be protected. You know, I go hiking a lot. If I see a coil of snake, and I haven't here on the East Coast, thank God, when I was in Kentucky, you see those a lot. You just automatically capitulate. It's just human nature. You, your mind tells you, you know, go into protect mode. And so we have to find healthy, honest ways, uh, not to protect ourselves, but to navigate through life. And it's a journey. And what would you say, I kind of I really resonated with that. What would you say that that people are suffering from right now when, when they can't be honest with themselves? You know, when they're in that situation and when someone asks them, hey, have you heard of this? And they say, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, what, what's the resolve here? Well, to answer your first question, to go back, the biggest thing is a fear of rejection. If they knew I did not know or they knew I wasn't keen on some aspect of whatever they're asking me about, they would not love or like me. That is right there at the core of that. And they'll I, I'm, I'm losing this relationship. I'm losing this connection. I'm losing whatever this thing is that I have. Um, and the resolve to that really is growing in confidence in who you are uh, and knowing what you need, you know. Um, the funny thing about, you know, childhood trauma is that our moms and our dads are the ones who affirm that, that thing in us of like, you ever seen a healthy child that's got a healthy relationship with their parents <laughs> and they're, they have needs because everybody does, but they're not needy, you know? And when you're needy, you're just thirsty and you'll, you'll, you, you come kind of with a, you approach relationships with a vulnerability and when you have that vulnerability, you protect yourself. And a lot of the ways we protect ourselves is dishonesty. It's just a lot easier. Um, and so to resolve that is growing in confidence of having everything you need, maybe tackling and getting to the bottom of those issues and those those key moments uh, in the journey that were missed. And then also saying to yourself, you know, prayer and meditation is huge, you know, in the journey, but also people around you who can affirm who you are that want nothing from you, you know, because a lot of times people can affirm something in you if they want something from you and exploit that <laughs> vulnerability in you. Yeah. You have to guard against that. And we, we all have to. And when you grow in that confidence and you realize, like, I really don't need a whole lot from a whole lot of people, you're willing to be everything you are and everything you're not. Right. Well, I, I think that the, the topic of affirmation, I think, is such an interesting one because we want to be seen. We want to be heard. You know, mm -hmm. if we've lacked affirmation in our lives, maybe especially during childhood, we spend a lifetime trying to seek that. And on the journey to seek that aff affirmation, the terrible choices that we might make, the, you know, the, the risks that we should have avoided, um, the hurt that we should have avoided, you know, I think to a certain extent, some of that is healthy. And that is a part of the of the growth process. But the need for affirmation is both a human necessity and I think a, a, a potent drug. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It's <laughs> really good. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I actually really appreciate the way that you articulated that. And then, you know, for, for folks that are in, in business and entrepreneurs, small business folks, people that are in the hustle in a, in a work environment, you know, there's there's that need for affirmation from team members, from the boss, from other constituents. You know, what are some recommendations that you might give to people in the business world um, that that can just maybe find a little bit more balance with respect to this? 
also have a work outside of have a life outside of work. Um, sometimes you'll find in the entrepreneur space is that because you're juggling so much and you play so many roles that you normally wouldn't play, uh, <laughs> it's hard to have a life balance outside of that. Have something that you love to do, have people that you love to be around that don't have anything to do with work. And if you are in that space, even though entrepreneurs may have a supervisor or a manager, um, be able to sit and talk and have real conversations with them. You know, I'm very thankful. You know, I still work in the professional world. I have an amazing, an amazing manager where we just get really real and really raw with one another. Uh, she's a brilliant woman, uh, brilliant. But I'm, I'm thankful that even there are times where there was a time like maybe seven months ago where I was just like, I was busting my tail. Uh, nine months ago. And I just felt like no one saw or heard it. And I was like, what's going on? And I had to go back to my why. Why did you start this? Why did you come here? Why did you want to be here? You know, the why is what is the thing that wakes us up in the morning. And a lot of times when we're working and we're really grinding, we lose our why. Always go back to why, because that's going to be the thing when you're not feeling it and you're not feeling firm. And you're like, man, I'm ready to piece out of here. That's going to be the why that carries you through. And a lot of times if that why may change or that why may not be there anymore, it may be a sign that it's time to jump ship, but you want to use wisdom in that. I hope that answers your question. Well, it does, but of course it brings up a new question. <laughs> okay, let's go for it. <laughs> Which is finding your why. Hmm. What was that process like for you? Because I think that that is one of the most difficult things to, to do. For some people... They get it at a very young age. You know, I was, you read about some famous filmmakers that have Cameron Crowe, Spielberg. These, these guys were directing movies when they were 13 years old. You know, for others, they don't, they go through evolutions. You know, you studied design, went through, you know, so many different pivots in your life. And because of the things that were presented to you, you responded to that. And then, you know, here you are in your purpose. My question for you is how can you, guide people to find their purpose, to find their why? I love that question. And I love the way you put it and how you made it so holistic. Because for people, um, there's not, everyone out there is not a Spielberg. Everyone didn't know what they wanted to do since they were 13. You know, I initially thought I wanted to be a prosecuting attorney. I used to take DC street law and I went actually down in the court and did a mock trial. And even the judge awarded me. She said, man, you are feisty. She said, I would not want to be on the receiving end of any <laughs> prosecution from you. So I was like, I'm going to definitely do it. I'm going to be a prosecuting attorney. Uh, but that wasn't my passion. You know, my passion is, is not been in law or in law enforcement. I believe it's important. And that why it changes. It, it changes as we navigate through life. I know for me, God has granted me the gift of words and the gift to impart, and the gift to actually care about people. So what is that itch? I would say for anybody listening or anyone that's going to hear this, what's that itch that you have to scratch? What's that thing that you cannot go to sleep and think about that when you wake up, you know, other than your prayers and your meditation, what, what's that thing that is on your mind? You know, when you're taking a run, when you're jogging, when you watch a movie and something touches you and your emotions, what is that why? It's like, I got to do that. I'm going to die if I don't do that. That repeated theme that keeps coming up is a problem you were created to solve. And a lot of times, I hate to say it based on the way we started the conversation, but the why sometimes can be birthed out of our trauma. The very thing that we, we failed the most or where we've had the most darkness in the, in the deepest place is the very thing that we're raised up and prepared to the very mud we're prepared to pull others out of. And so sometimes that why comes out of circumstances that we didn't envision. Um, we see that tons with uh, you think of anyone who like Betty Ford. 
<laughs> I mean, I can go on and down a list of names. And so it's kind of hard to answer that question because that why changes from person to person. But I would say, what is that itch that you have to scratch? And what is that place of pain, that, that misery? Sometimes your misery becomes your ministry. And ministry is just, it's not a, let's not get churchy or preachy, even though I'm a man of faith. Ministry is just service. You know, the very thing that made me miserable may be the very platform that I'm supposed to serve others from. Your misery becomes your ministry. I I was thinking about this idea of the why behind the why. And you mentioned something that was pretty powerful. You said, sometimes based on things that we have gone through in our childhood, trauma, drive our why. So for an example, I was not validated as a child. I was terribly poor as a child. I did not get a lot of attention as a child. I was the youngest sibling. I didn't get the respect. And then of course you go through your life journey and you say, I want X because I want to fill out that hole in my heart, that, that void that I might have. And my question to you on this topic is, how do you know that the why behind your why is not the right why and that it's ultimately going to hurt you because you're seeking the wrong things like validation, like affirmation, like fulfilling greed? That's a great question. I would say you, you know it, it'll reveal itself in the trail that it leaves. Does it leave a trail of success, one of joy, one of fulfillment, or one of pain? And that's not just pain for you, but pain for others. Whenever we're actually filling a void in a way that we weren't meant to, we're acting selfishly. And when we are living selfishly, it affects others. Our selfishness never runs in a bubble. Um, and so you'll know because you'll that void will actually get deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a person, it could be just because we we do control things in different ways, say a person who eats whenever they're emotionally distressed, well, you'll know when you maybe have diabetes or, or hepatitis or different things like that, that that occur in your body, like me doing this is actually not healthy for myself mm. or other people around me. You know, when you're fulfilling that why and it's a good thing, you'll see it in yourself and the people around you. I, I love the way that you said that. It leaves, it leaves a trace. It leaves a trace. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That's so poignant here. You know, if we're pers- if we're on a path that is not the correct path for us, and that's maybe destructive, and that the outcome of that, the repercussions of that, is going to be destruction. And if we don't have the idea, and we don't have the wisdom or the insight or the introspection or self realization to figure that out, that's a problem, and that's a wake up call. You know, um, obesity. It's not always an example, but it's an it is an example. You know. Uh, it's the it's the quote unquote it's the fat cat you know that dies from diabetes. It's a sad thing, right? All of us have those weaknesses and those desires that we want to fulfill that are ultimately hurting us. And I think that um, through introspection and through, to, as the way that you put it, prayer and meditation, that's how we get to the to the deepest state of our of our identity, which is one of the hardest things to do. I gotta say. <laughs> It's a journey. It's not a sprint. <laughs> it's a journey. It's not a sprint. <laughs> That's it. You know, and there are people out there that are trying to sprint marathons. And and I see that a lot. I, I see them trying to reinvent themselves. You see this a lot with entrepreneurship. 
entrepreneurship is sprinting marathons because you have a finite amount of resources, finite amount of capital. You know, the more failures that you have, it's the harder it is, less people believe in you, maybe the less doors that are open. And, uh, you know, you need to, to, to persevere, you know, and I, and I think that, um, you know, that, that idea of, of persevering for purpose is, is what I sense Jamal from, from, from you. And, uh, you know, I, I, gratitude and appreciation, man. It goes back. I'm, I'm getting a lot just from what you're talking about, especially in the entrepreneurial world. Um, you look on the testimonies on LinkedIn or any professional platform, the ones who quote unquote made it or are making it are just those who didn't give up. Mm-hmm. And I love when they share their failures. You know, I was always told read autobiographies and I'm like, for what? It's like so that you can actually see a person's journey. Like any of us, I mean, you're, you're a man's man. You love sports. You know, you come home Sunday at seven o'clock. You've been out all day. You're like, gosh, I missed the game. You know, so you go on ESPN. You're watching what? Seven minutes of highlights. That football game was three and a half hours. <laughs> you didn't see people getting towed off. You didn't see the injuries. You didn't see all the, the flags, except maybe the one that they showed during the highlights. It's so much that happens in those three and a half hours. And we love the highlights of life. I love them. You know, we love the YouTube videos that are like five minutes. We don't want to sit for the 45-minute ones where the person actually talks about all the highs and the lows, the hills and the valleys. And that's a part of the process. It shapes us. It molds us. And so those entrepreneurs and, and even you, you think about the, the Tyler Perry's, the man was living in his car. It's like no one had this perfect, you know, white picket fence and yellow brick road to success. Um, but those are the things that impart to us the authority to share wisdom with other people. I don't want to hear from anybody who hasn't really been through it, you know, and anyone who hasn't uh, gone through any loss. It's like, you're telling me something you read from a Hallmark card, but what authority do your words really have? Hmm. So good, man. So where can we learn more about you on social channels, you know, website, LinkedIn? Yeah, easiest place to find me right now is LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active. Um, I am just getting involved in the social media world, y'all. I'm just getting on Twitter like today, literally. I'm t- I'm being honest. I ain't, I'm, I'm not going to lie to kick it. <laughs> just getting on Instagram. Uh, so you can find me there soon. But today you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Jamal Marshall on LinkedIn I found. So really easy to find. Uh, and you'll usually see me walking through the woods or downtown dc somewhere uh, nice, just and sharing an important wisdom as it comes to me amazing jamal well thank you so much for the time jamal with an h and two a's marshall two l's that's me thanks jamal appreciate you man thank you be well